Hi, everyone. It's good to see you. Welcome to Notes to My Legal Self. I'm Olga Maxi of Parley Pro. I love interviewing the folks who practice in-house. I especially love people in-house who do exciting things with technology. And today we'll be talking about this one amazing disruptive technology called AI. And my guest has an opinion and, and a message, and she will share it. And also, as you know, the guests on my show have been nominated by you. So do that again. Go ahead, put in a comment, and nominate another person uh, who is practicing in-house, who is lawyer, or maybe not, who is contributing to legal function all day, every day, who has an opinion about career, practice of law, their community or anything else because we know for sure that in-house lawyers and in-house professionals are human first and they have all kinds of life and and interests that are worth sharing so with that in mind i will have my guest say hello highway welcome to the show please introduce yourself hello olga hello guest thanks so much for inviting me to the show um so my name is wei chen i'm a, a practicing attorney for over 20 years uh here in the us i was born and grew up uh, in china uh, got a legal degree in China as well and came here to the States, went to uh, a law school and get another JD. Uh, so that's why I spent 12 years in college. Just, you know, if you have trouble, you know, finding, <laughs> you know, like a, your, your kids not getting motivated, like, look at me. Hey, the, the girl that who spent uh, uh, 12 years in college. Um, <laughs> <laughs> 12 years in college is great. I just love it. Um, you are well educated. That's great. <laughs> yeah. um, so I started my legal career at Scanlon Arps uh, in Chicago. I was a summer associate there doing mostly corporate security and M&A work. And then subsequently, I've spent time at uh, Cooley Gottward in uh, uh, Palo Alto and then in-house uh, at Sun Microsystems and now at Salesforce. Um, two years ago, um, okay, you know that you probably remember, you know, I had so many conversations with you about this. Yeah, I was about to ask, you know, you, I, you know, you are a very accomplished lawyer. You're a remarkable human being. Every time I talk to you, I, I, I get inspired. I think of something exciting. It really motivates me. You've been, you've been someone who really, I, I, I've had conversations throughout my career. I, uh, you know, as a tech lawyer, as, as a woman leader, I, I really value this friendship. Um, and, you know, you founded this thing called the Atticus Project. And when you yeah. told me the first time, I, I, I had a girl crush. So oh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I have to say, like, you know, back then, uh, three years ago, so, uh, you know, I have to say, like, in a way, I said, oh, we're going to talk about this exciting concept called artificial intelligence. And in my mind, I'm like, artificial intelligence, that's so 2010. <laughs> Last time, when I was looking at the Gartner hype, uh, you know, cycle, and AI is not even on there anymore. You know, it's quantum computing and all of the other good stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing about the hype cycle; it keeps on and keeps on moving. Um, so, tell us, tell us more about the Atticus Project. What is it, and how did you, how did you, you know, how does an in-house lawyer get up in the morning and want to do something like that? Yeah. And, and okay, like you have witnessed this whole journey and struggle, you know, of me uh, for the past like three years. So about three years ago, um, you know, I finally, after uh, practicing M&A for 
you know, like 17, 18 years. And I suddenly realized that, you know, hey, maybe, you know, all this like grunt work of like reviewing thousands and pages of legal contracts is something that, you know, we could leverage a tool to do it faster and do it better. And my husband is an AI researcher at a big company and he, you know, was doing uh, all this, you know, the, these educations for me about how AI is capable of reading and understanding just normal language, right? You know, if you do a Google search and you say, hey, you know, what is Shakespeare's birthday? And they would just immediately come up with the right answer. And I was like, if that's the case, maybe, you know, if I feed a contract into an AI tool, the AI tool would immediately tell me that, you know, hey, what is the start date? What is the end date of this contract? And what, you know, what are this contract has and then compete? You know, does it have a, you know, change of control provision? Wouldn't that be nice, Olga? <laughs> That would be nice as someone who led companies through acquisition more than once and had to endure through this, you know, part of due diligence. Um, yeah, I can say that that would have been helpful. Um, and so what happened then? You have this moment. And, you know, I think at, at various parts of our careers, we all have moments where like, there's a better way. There must be a better way. So you have this moment, but you did more than that. You had more than a realization. You actually acted on it. Yeah, because uh, back then, like, you know, the, the ignorant myself uh, was so naive, right? You know, I was like, huh, you know, if that's the case, let me get a couple of like, you know, vendors because they all told me that, you know, their AI tools can do this. And so I got two, uh, you know, AI tools in-house and started experimenting with it. And then I was told that actually, you know, in order for the AI to work, I have to teach the AI. Um, and then how do I teach the AI? I have to like, first of all, like review and so-called label, meaning that, you know, I take out a highlighter, you know, like in my <laughs> literal sense, and then just like mark the contracts with like, what is the start date? And I give it an answer and then I mark another clause and give it an answer. Um, and then I need to do at least like 50 examples of each clauses before the AI can become, uh, you know, a, a little bit more intelligent. <laughs> so I did that. I did that. Bit more. <laughs> yeah, I did that. And that took me a long time. That took me a long time. And then, and then I feed it another contract and they stopped working because the contract I feed it into it are, you know, somewhat similar because at the end of the day, you know, I'm only working for one type of business, which is, you know, so, you know SaaS, uh, software subscription business. So I'm like, hey, this is not something that I myself you know, should do on my own. I need to like get some of my friends. <laughs> you know, and okay, I called you and I called other like people, you know, from my counterparts at other big companies. And then all of us are getting excited. And we were like, oh yeah, let's do this. You know, it would be a six month thing. Each one of us will just like, you know, spend the weekends, you know, like well, highlight contracts. And then after six months, we'll be done. Um, <laughs> I like, I'm going to highlight two, two lessons in this story. Sometimes waking up in the morning and not ha have done it before and being ignorant about what it takes is actually a blessing. There's a lot of <laughs> that I started. If I had a full disclosure, I would have never started. No. And the other thing ha I think here is, Hey, it really helps to have geeky friends. Yeah. Let's meet up on Sunday and do contract. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's my yeah. tribe. <laughs> yes. Um, and then six months after, actually a, a year after, uh, take a guess what, how many contracts I got labeled. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I, you're an overachiever. So <laughs> I will say five. 
five. And four of those are from me. I'm like, you know, this is not working. Um, you know, like this is not working. Like, let me think of a different way. And during those one year of like, just just constantly trying to pivot and trying to figure out, you know, how to create this like, you know, label <laughs> set of contracts and like this fifty each. It took a long time, and I took a lot of wrong turns. But eventually, that you know, like one day I was talking with Adam Sterling, the director of uh, executive director of Berkeley uh, Center for Law and Business, and he was like, "Hey, this is this would be a great education opportunity for our law students. Why don't you just you know, like I can send you a couple of law students, and we can have the attorneys supervise them." I was like, yeah. Adam is full of great ideas. Shout yeah. out to Adam. Adam is a really good friend. And yes, I'm only biased because I went to Berkeley twice. Um, so go Bears. But I love that idea. So did you actually do it? I did. And so uh, fast forward uh, to today, I have worked with over 100 um, uh, law students. You know, for the past like two years, we've uh, hosted this year long program. Uh, divided into spring, summer, and uh, fall. And we had uh, law students not only from Berkeley, but also from Stanford, Georgetown, you know, like London, Prague, uh, France, you know, anywhere that you can think of um, essentially participating in our program. Oh, I just love it. So tell us where you are. And then I do want to kind of get to where the opportunities are, but tell us where you are with the Atticus Project, where, where you've been, where you are, and where you're going so folks can be situated. And then we'll talk about opportunities in AI and law. Yeah, so um, I'm gonna put it in very simple uh, terms. So we uh, open source, which means, you know, we made it publicly available for free, 510 contracts. And these contracts are uh, extracted from Adgar, which is a publicly available uh, website uh, hosted by the CC. Uh, and these are contracts filed by these publicly traded companies that are considered either material or require under securities law. So we use these contracts and we, you know, took our electronic highlighter and highlight all of the provision, give it an answer. And there is approximately 130,000 of these annotations. And we published that. And then we also worked with the Berkeley researchers to uh, assess like the performance of the existing state of art uh, AI models against it. And I can share the, the performance results um, uh, in the link as well. Um, and then we're also uh, in the process of creating a, a merger agreement. So that the, the, the first data set was the commercial contracts data set. Uh, and this uh, data set that we're publishing later this year is the merger agreement. Okay, oh, really cool. So there, uh, let me ask you a few follow-up questions. Um, one question is around sort of the open sourceness of it, and you specify that it's not just open source, it's also free, right? Yeah. Not everything that is open source is actually free. Um, yeah. So help me understand, you know, what are you trying to accomplish with not just opening sourcing it, uh, but making it available to everyone who needs it? Yeah. So first of all, um, you know, what we really need is the, the general collaboration with the AI community and the AI community, the best and the brightest AI developers are in high demand. You know, anything any company <laughs> does nowadays probably need a, a one or two or if not, you know, hundreds of AI developers. So how do you attract these people to work on, you know, a problem, you know, that's not curing cancer or like, you know, uh, reducing carbon uh, emissions, you know, like 
who wants to help lawyers, you know, save more time. Look, I have a really strong point of view that civil yeah. society is important and yes. the law has a huge place in that. Yes. But I can see, I you know, as someone who also cares about you know disease and 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 environment, they, I can see how that may be a little lower on the priority list sometimes. However, our relationship with with law is dysfunctional, and it needs yes. to be cured at some point. <laughs> yes, it needs to be cured. I one hundred percent agree with that. I like that uh, analogy. So, um, so with that, you know, the AI developers uh, do work with open source data sets from time to time, either as a hobby or like you know to demonstrate, you know, to compete. You know, there's this thing called a uh, you know a competition uh, where you can go a Kaggle competition or some of the the leaderboard where you can demonstrate how good you are by working with a new data set. And I figure like legal contracts is you know because there aren't a lot of it, right? You know, so there is a lot of low hanging fruits. Maybe Maybe if I get some uh, legal data sets out there, we, I will attract some talents to come here and work on uh, work on this for free. So this is the first in, uh, you know reason for doing this for free is really just to meet the developers where they are. You know they wanted to have open, they wanted to have free, they wanted to work with things that's in CSV and JSON. You know that's where we need to be. Um, so that that's one. Secondly. Um, you know, I'm taking it from the community for free, right? You know, so this data set that we created uh, for Quad, for the commercial contracts, um, if we calculate it using an average $500 an hour, uh, you know, per you know for, for that data set, that data set itself would be $2 million, right? You know, no one is going to be able to afford that. And it's such a small size data set. Um, so you know, no one is going to be able to afford that. So I was fortunate enough to, um, you know, Atticus is fortunate enough to have this ecosystem of volunteers who are willing to help with these, help with this initiative, and they're all doing it for free. So what I take for free, I need to give it back for, uh, for free. So that's that's the the two reasons why we are we're open sourcing it. I love your focus on. And sort of greater good and being service oriented, um, I, I I just think it's it's very important. I as I said, I value civil society. I think law has a huge part in it. Uh, I guess <laughs> to for further context, I grew up in a society that may not value that as much. So I really inherently understand the huge difference and value it a lot. Um, you mentioned a couple of things. I, you know, I as some as a CEO of a tech company who's always on the hunt of the top talent. You know, I joke that I only hire ninjas. Um, you know, this concept of meeting people where they are is very, very important. And in your case, you, you know, you're not just looking for tech talent. You're also looking for legal talent. And amazing legal talent also has options in life. <laughs> You know, whether they're just from in law school, anywhere in their career, really. Um, and so what is what is what is what's in it there for them? You know, why 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 do they show up? Yeah. Um, so uh, I, I'm fortunate enough to attract the most uh, the, lots of ninjas. Right. You know, the ninjas the, who already have like law firm offers, but they know that, you know, like 
you know, once they go into a law firm, they would have no idea because um, law school really don't teach you these practical skills, not to say like, you know, <laughs> I have any problem with the, the law school curriculum. But, you know, legal profession is uh, is apprenticeship. Right. You know, there is uh, to date. There hasn't been as far as I know that, you know, like a, a, a textbook that teach you how to read legal contracts, you know, or like a, 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 a set of like terms like here are the what the terms of a contract should in, should contain. And here are some examples of that. Like, you know, there is just no systematic, um, you know, textbook or trainings like that. So. Our students are really looking for that, um, uh, you know, rare opportunity they wouldn't get in the law school where it would be hugely uh, advantage to them once they uh, learn all of those things and start working. Uh, they felt like, you know, their, their, their confidence is up, like, you know, they, they understand the basic concepts. And that's like hugely important, you know, giving them a leg up when they start uh, practicing. Yeah, yeah, I, I am with you that to attract ninjas, you need to show value, you know, in learning, um, in contribution to the community for the greater good. Um, because, you know, in the end, it is, you know, yes, you, you know, at some point, you know, you, you make enough money or, you know, there are other things that make ninjas get up in the morning and want to show up. Um, yeah, you were talking about the first world problem that, you know, maybe you have, but you know, the law students, the law students, yeah, like, you know, I think one of the secret desire that they, they have is they don't want to, they don't want to do these like mind numbing, you know, like uh, contract review work or like, you know, typing in the, the disclosure schedules, you know, like, uh, like all of these things that could be automated. So maybe, you know, by participating in Atkins project, they were hoping that they could make that automated future a little bit faster. You know, you mentioned another thing. You mentioned Edgar, you know, and Edgar is a SEC database. You know, some say is good enough. Some say that could be more friendly and uh, various services provide an improved version of it. Uh, it has a lot of filings, K and Q's filings, you know, the annual and quarterly filings for, for all public companies um, and other things. Uh, and sometimes, you know, they have, attachment as contracts uh, that are material to to that business. I'm a fan of Edgar. I, I've, I've been searching that website for a very long time. It's I wish it was getting better sooner. Um, but that aside, when you look at the contracts there, we are talking about like top 1% outlier contracts. We are not talking about the contracts that I did as a general counsel on my team all day, every day. Those are very special, unique snowflakes, <laughs> yep. you know? So I'm just curious how you think about this data set and you know how important is the data set? How do you make sure it's a well-rounded? Because in the end, you know, if what you're trying to is open source something useful in contracts, across contracts, across industries, the outlier contracts are great, but I'm, 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 I'm just curious how that generalizes on everything else. Yeah, um, 100% agree. And I have to say the data set is not perfect. It's, it is biased. And, you know, in the data sheet that we created, we made it very clear that, you know, that one of the bias uh, of the, this data set is the snowflakes. You know, it's, it's the top 1% highly negotiated, uh, very nuanced, um, contracts. Uh, but it has two advantages, like, you know, no other data set potentially is going to have. One is the variety, right? You know, like, if you take uh, the software subscription agreement, you know, that you scrub on the web, first of all, you know, there's legal issues of whether we have the right to use it. 
But more importantly, it's like they're they're fairly consistent. You know, as as you know that you know we all take a template from one another from time to time, and you know that that drives certain um, you know behavior where you know if you have your data set learn on all of those contracts and they would be completely useless when you get uh, agriculture or like you know uh, 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 biopharmaceutical contracts um, that you want AI to read. Uh, understand so that that's that's one and then two it's it's public right you know it's public you know the, the one of the challenges of a legal data set is by definition legal contracts like 99 percent of them are proprietary proprietary and confidential right you know so so like you know we have to start somewhere and then if we have a public data set even though that is biased we have to start from there yeah, there is definitely a, what I call a black box problems when it comes to anything legal and AI. Um, and, you know, they, these documents are not designed to be viewed by public. They're not designed to be disclosed. They're just not designed to be produced. They're designed to be guarded and hidden and in the world. And, and it is a little bit off trend, you know, just kind of technologically, historically speaking, because the trend toward transparency and, 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 and kind of visibility. So we are almost toward the end. I have a few questions specifically. I want to talk about sort of, you know, what challenges you face. What is it we are, and by you, I mean we <laughs> really, as, as a profession that can greatly benefit from amazing tools and disruptive technologies like AI and many others. In this specific context, what is sort of the biggest challenge and what, what we can do to address them? Yeah, absolutely. And that, that's the main uh, message I wanted to get through, you know, uh, as part of this podcast. Um, it's the fact that, you know, there is a dirty secret to modern day AI technology. And sometimes you, you hear like, you know, deep learning or neural network. It just requires massive amount of training data set. And that's a secret that no one talks about. Right, you know, like so, uh, unlike the technologies of uh, the 2000, right, you know, or the 1900, uh, it is like Word or like Delta View or like electronic data room, you know, that all of us immediately embrace when they first came, or email, you know, immediately embrace when when we uh, when they first drop on our laps, right? You know, we didn't know that, you know, someone was working on that. It came to us. It works immediately, right? You know, and satisfy our needs, and we start using it. AI is not going to be the same. Um, so the the secret to modern day AI development is it needs a training data set. Uh, and I use the example of the bar exam, right? You know, so if I give you a whole bunch of bar exam without answer key and practice questions with the answer key and explanations, are you going to perform better, right? You know, next time, of course not. Um, so what lawyers are creating, uh, what the Atticus project is creating is this answer key to your bar exam. Uh, and in order for the AI to pass, we have to give the answer key. And this creating the answer key process is a very labor intensive process. I initially thought it's six months. It turned out that it's probably going to be a 10 year job. Um, so I don't want people to get too optimistic and too passive by just sitting in their sofa and thinking that, you know, AI is going to solve this problem on their own without our involvement or contribution. Um, that is absolutely not true. You know, like we need to uh, start contributing and start it, you know, telling the AI what we're looking for and give the, uh, you know, guidance in terms of a, a number of things, you know, like 
how, yeah, what, what are the different terms that we're looking for? You know, there was this example, um, you know, Olga, like I, I got seven attorneys to come to an expert piano to talk about limitation on liabilities. <laughs> and at the end of the day, I got I mean, seven. I mean, come on, limit of liabilities is where the actions is. I mean, yeah. it, you know, yeah. it's, it's not a small yeah. thing. It's the thing. Uh, but, but sure, I, yes. <laughs> And, and, uh, and I said, like, you know, and I told everyone, I was like, then at the end of the day, I got six different answers. And then <laughs> the other people will be like, oh, I'm surprised it's not 10. Um, so, uh, it, it, there's no consistent, you know, characterization of the different ways that you talk about limitation and liability. Some people look at it from the lens of direct, indirect. Some people from the lens of cap on cap. Some people from, you know, like consequential versus, you know, like, I mean, it's just, it's all over, all over the place. And, you know, that's something that we need to tackle. Huge problem, right? You know, the second problem is it's just requires so much like data. Um, some people told me that, you know, it's 50. It turned out that it's at least thousands, if not hundreds of thousands. I've, I've even heard of millions. How is it possible that, you know, for human attorneys, like who, who are already resource strains, like we are to create, to highlight like millions of contracts. It's just not possible. Yeah. So we're not there yet. Like, you know, I, I really, th this is a call for action. We need all of you in order for the AI to be better in legal contracts. We need everyone. So uh, my favorite part when I used to negotiate, you know, every contract <laughs> when I was a mid-level lawyer, people was like, oh, we're almost there. We just have a little bit of liability left. Oh, great. Okay. We have, we're basically just starting here. Um, I, you know, I, I, I hear you when you say that, you know, there's kind of two things needed. There needs to be data, the actual contracts, and all of us at some point needs to think, do we want to be contributors to that? And two, all of us probably need to pitch in. Um, yeah. and, and if we want the data set to reflect the sort of current practices, um, I, I hear that call of, of, for action loud and clear, and I hope the audience does as well, because data is super important. And your AI is going to be only as smart as the input you give, uh, both in actual contracts and in your intelligence, because your AI is not going to be any more intelligent than you unless you train it. Um, we're almost at the end. I do want to talk a little bit about adoption, because yeah. there is a problem of creation, and you outlined the opportunities there. But there is also a problem of adoption, because you know, as you said, our profession is all about apprenticeship. If you actually ask people, and I have done this before, um, to explain to me how they can conceptually think about a limit of liability, they think of it in different ways. Um, and, and, and they connect it to different, they, they, there is sort of, I would say, at least three to five uh, schools of thought that I've seen that yeah. sort of dominate my negotiations. So that just means to me that we, are, as, a, as a profession, you know, we have more than one approach. We're somewhat conflicted on some things. There is no necessarily one best practice. So, and as a result, lawyers are asking the AI that you're putting in front of me, is it going to be doing what I expected to do or not? 
Um, and then that, that and many other reasons leads to reservation about adoptions. What have you seen about adoption? What have you yeah. seen from your peers, from fellow lawyers when it comes to, to AI adoption? Adoption of uh, using AI for legal contract review or legal contract drafting is very, very low. And I don't blame anyone who do not use it. I don't use it in my day to day job yet. Uh, and the reason is not because, you know, there's this misconception of like, hey, we're on billable hours, like people don't want to, you know, like automation, they don't want, you know, other people, uh, the AI to take over their job. I, I truly, truly do not believe that's the reason. The reason is the low accuracy. Um, you know, like, I, I, the reason why I can't use AI is because whatever the AI does, I can't trust it. I have to do it in my old fashioned, like, you know, just on the side, print it out, uh, you know, doing the real highlighter. And then I have to do it on the AI. So there is this parallel system going on, especially in the m world, like I am, yeah, you don't have time. You don't have time for that, right? You know, so uh, the fundamental problem that we need to solve together is to increase the accuracy. Once the accuracy gets to somewhere between like 70 to 80%, you will see this massive adoption across the legal industry. And I know that will happen, you know, in the next like two, three years. And I know Atkus would be like leading that change and trying to create more and more data sets and trying to increase the accuracy of AI. And then the AI model in the meantime, that they will continue to increase uh, in accuracy as well, but they can't do it on their own. And then the return on uh, investment um, in investing in data is equivalent. So we did this experiment. We had the AI researcher at Berkeley run this exercise, uh, run this experiment of using the ADCAS, the 150 contracts uh, through the AI model. And it generates the same result as you increase the AI model by 10 times, right? You know, that's, we're talking about uh, tens of millions of dollars, you know, three years of, you know, software development versus, you know, just, you know, some, some, you know, 20 law students under, you know, a few uh, part-time attorneys, you know, volunteer time, the return on investment is the same. So, you know, if you wanted to, you know, I joke because my husband is in, is an AI developer. I'm a lawyer. I was like, hey guys, like, you know, my kids, hey, if you wanted to invest your money, who do you want to invest in? <laughs> um, data versus AI. Um, you know, I'm going to pass on an unsolicited uh, business, you know, tip, you know, for you, for you guys, if you're thinking about entrepreneurship or like the future. Um, there will be, you know, in two years or five years, there will be a need for people to pay for high quality training data set because they got the AI model and the AI model works, right? You know, to 60%, let's say. And then if you buy another high quality training data set, your AI is performed at 80%. And well, you know, the, the, the rest of the people who don't have that data set is going to perform at 60%. So, you know, just you're welcome. <laughs> Yeah, I love that. Look, and this has been a great conversation. And um, I, I am with you, especially in house. It is not about billable hours. I, and we all, we all want to give better advice faster. So that that's not the reason. That's not billable hours in house. Definitely not in house. Law firm, I'm less kind of familiar with that. Maybe some to some extent. But I do think with you, this accuracy, does it actually is the output where I would like it to be? It's, it's more than accuracy, right? Does it yeah. follow the way I think is the right way to practice law? That's, that's a sort exactly. of second order thinking, you know, will 
can I stand behind that legal advice, right? Because that, that's kind of what I'm thinking when I give legal advice and if I rely on automation. Uh, that, that it's, it's accuracy first and then does, is it aligned with the way Workflow. I, yeah, yeah with, with our goals, my company goals, the way I, I practice law, the way I mitigate risk. Because it's, it's that, that and more. So absolutely. Really great conversation in way. Um, I'm so glad you joined and I always learn so much from you and you you enlighten me with every word. I really love this conversation. I want to make sure you give, you know, a, a takeaway to the listeners. Please share some takeaways. How can people help you? How can we all work together to get to a, a state of AI that will make us more effective in house? Yeah. So the first thing, uh, first thing first is you know, understand the secret of modern day AI. It requires training data set, which means that lawyers need to take the time and mark up the documents using a, a, a electronic a yellow highlighter on the contracts to train it. Um, and that uh, work can only be done by lawyers. So this is not like Word and like, you know, email where you can just sit and enjoy, right? You know, this is really something that, you know, if we don't act, we'll never get it. Um, so secondly, you know, you know, where to start, um, be transparent. You know, I understand that, you know, legal contracts and legal community has this tendency of being a closed community, but this is a, a, a opportunity for us to use a publicly available data set, which is Edgar, and then just, you know, start talking about being transparent about the different ways that we interpret contracts. You know, once I'm transparent and I say, hey, this is the way I look at things, I look at limitation and liability. I look at it from a direct versus indirect perspective. And then Ogan can come in and then you'll say, no, 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 I look at it from like, you know, a capped uh, liability versus uncapped liability. Both answers are right. And then we put both side by side and then, you know, we have different theories. But, you know, there needs to be some transparency uh, for us to to move the industry forward. Thank you so much. This has been a great conversation, Away, I thoroughly enjoyed it. As I mentioned before, these conversations are influenced and suggested by you. Uh, so if you have someone that you think could enlighten all of us, whether it comes to technology, personal development, career aspirations, community service, all kinds of things, because we know that in-house lawyers are well-rounded humans first, let me know who that person should join me for the conversation. Um, I am really here on the mission to show that in-house lawyers contribute quite a lot and they're humans first. And there is a way for them to show up fully and be builders and contributors. So uh, definitely let me know. And thank you so much for joining. I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation and look forward to hearing from all of you. Bye, everyone.